Blog Talk Radio. some other person, or if we wait for some other time, we are the ones we've been waiting for. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. us it, 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 it would 
costs us about the same as it would cost for about, hold on one second, I can't hear myself. <laughs> David Graham hosts Stay Mad Radio, yeah. Tuesday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. David Graham is a patriot who speaks about communism, cultural Marxism, Alinsky, and Islam. Also find very interesting guests, including former CIA agents, authors, and friends. Reza, thank you very, very much for, uh, for contacting us and uh, agreeing to join us here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, as promised, with me on the line is uh, our guest, Charles Faddis. Uh, open your mic right now. Charles, welcome back to Stay Mad Radio. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. No, that's, that's my pleasure. Uh, our, our pleasure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna break right into bringing him right on. Uh, Usama, uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my joy to be with you, brother, and I uh, hope and I pray that the Lord will use it tonight. Her name is Janie Johnson. She wrote the book Don't Take My Lemonade Stand. How are you today, Janie? I'm doing great, David. How are you? I'm fine. I think this is her now. Uh, is this Addie? I am Hello. here. I'm listening. Um, how, how are you? It's very, very nice to speak with you, finally. Yeah, it surely is. So catch this and much more exciting content on Paynad Radio, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. Good evening, folks. Thanks for joining me once again. The week is almost over. What a shame. Today's date, January 11th, 2012 A.D. Beautiful old town, Alexandria. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. A lot of you know that yesterday... I turned, I aged one more year and turned 50, celebrated my 50th year on this planet. And the reason I bring this up is that uh, a lot's been made of this uh, interview with the First Lady, suggesting, well, she threw down once again the race card suggesting that folks are seeing her as the, or some, quote, angry black woman, end quote. It's often very interesting when they throw down the race card like this because so many of us can see right through it all the time. Just two days before she unleashed the angry black woman, deal a good friend of mine threw it out to me and said hey you know you're ranting and raving you're doing the angry black man thing and I laughed and we both laughed about it angry black woman angry black man so what here's the thing when Hillary Clinton told two very good friends of mine who happened to be Secret Service agents who were guarding her not to ever look directly at her when she was ranting and raving in the White House and misbehaving and being a, quote, diva, end quote. Nobody accused her of being an angry white woman. No, they just used the B word, which I won't utter right here but not an angry white woman. No one ever, no, or, 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 or anything of that kind. Let me be clear right here and now. I've been on this planet 50 years now, and one day. I have been called the N-word exactly twice in the 50 years I've lived on this planet by a white person. The first time I was 17 years old and a young Marine. The person who called me that word wound up losing two of his teeth. And I 
Well, I suffered my first non-judicial punishment, office hours as we call it in the Marine Corps, my first and only. The second time occurred in 1998 on a flag football field. I'd gotten a little rough and out of hand with one of my white teammates, and he just, I don't know, maybe he was having a bad day, and he unleashed the word. That was it, two times by a white person since I have been walking this earth or crawling or whatever. But by blacks, my fellow blacks, I won't even use the term African-American. It's disgusting to me for a variety of reasons. My fellow blacks, however, I, I would have to get out a damn uh, 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 calculator in order to even begin to count the number of times the N-word has been used in reference to me or members of my family. So this throwing out the race card has gotten way too old. Nobody's listening anymore. It is watered down so much that it doesn't really matter anymore. In fact, this race issue in terms of black people has lost almost all of its staying power because it's been used far too often for no real reason other than to whine or complain or to make some sort of a political point. So, Mrs. Obama, you ugly, hideous woman, you're not an angry black woman. You're just a B-I-T-C-H. Just like your fellow First Lady Hillary Clinton, when told when she told my good friends, former Marine officers who became Secret Service agents, wound up guarding her and taking care of her, who would have gladly stepped in front of a bullet for her not to ever, ever look directly at her. And that's just the tip of what I was told about this woman. So, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to talk a little bit about Tim Tebow and America's hunger for heroes. Then we'll get right down into the meat of the matter because it's been a while since we've talked about the czars. It's been quite a while. And I think this idea of these outrageous, outlandish, socialist, communist, Marxist, I mean, when, think about this. In the Hitler regime, Goebbels and all of those guys, they were basically a group of perverts and child molesters and homosexuals and deviants of every kind, almost every single one of them. And they were all carrying out orders from Adolf Hitler. I'm talking about sex deviants. I'm talking about perverts, cross-dressers, all kinds of weird perversions. Each and every one of his, his direct minions, Goebbels, all of them, were, were just a bunch of weirdos. And so here we have an administration and we have the same type of weirdness, perverts, ideologues, morons. Just because some of these folks have advanced degrees doesn't make them any smarter than you and me or any more insightful or wiser or any of that. Perverts and ne'er-do-wells and weirdos and sick people and weirdos again can have PhDs and are in academia. That doesn't make them good people or even smart people. In fact, the PhD behind my name used to really mean something 20, 30 years ago. 
Now, almost anybody can get one if you're willing to stay in school long enough. If you can get enough grants or get enough loans and are willing to pretty much live like a pauper for another eight years of your life after that first after that first uh that first uh the first four years if you're if you're willing to do all of that you can have a phd after your name it doesn't mean that you're any smarter than anybody else take that from somebody who has one so here we are ever hungry for an authentic hero americans have turned to tim tebow greek columns and teleprompters have schooled us on how to discern the sincere from the bogus. And with Barack Obama as the measure, Tim Tebow's goal stands in contrast to Obama's drought. And a, a lot of what I'm talking about here tonight with regard to this issue comes from an article in The American Thinker titled, Obama, Tebow, and America's Hunger for Heroes. One definition of a hero is a mythological or legendary figure, often of divine descent endowed with great strength or ability, a man admired for his achievements and noble qualities, one who shows great courage, and the central figure in an event, period, or a movement. The only way to explain the type of adultery or idolatry however you want to pronounce it, Barack Obama received when first emerging on the national scene was that America was longing for a national hero, a savior, if you will. Barack, the narcissist, recognized an opportunity, stepped forward and accepted the accolades of a ravenous public who wanted to view someone, anybody, but particularly someone they knew nothing about. A legendary figure in the most basic sense. Having done nothing but talk, Obama feigned heroic strength and ability, and with nary an achievement to speak of, accepted admiration for untested noble qualities and non-existent accomplishments. Despite a shadowy past, in a stunning exhibit of egocentric self-delusion, Barack Obama even dared to align his razor-thin resume with true heroes like Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, and Martin Luther King Jr. Obama quickly became an object of mythological, almost divine adulation. He reveled in it, so much so that he sowed the seeds of one possessing celestial abilities and promoted himself as the hope for future generations. With declarations such as, this was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. This was the moment when we ended a war and secured our nation and restored our image as the last best hope on earth. So much for that. So far as I can tell, the oceans didn't slow and the planet didn't begin to heal and so far, we're the laughing stock of the whole world. After all the hype and verbose rhetoric carried Obama into the Oval Office, Charles Krautheimer aptly described him as a modern-day Akasaurus, or Kassaris, exhilarated by the thrill of flying and boiled by mortal man, above mortal man, indeed. But then Superman... Barack Obama got too close to the sun, a son of his own making. Now, with wax wings melting, Obama finds himself drowning in a sea of his own false promises and incompetence. Apart from Obama's non-accomplishments in politics or Tebow's impressive success in, in athletics, heroes are heroes not because of politics or sports. No, no, no. Lasting heroism is born not of style icon status, but of the lasting genuineness that comes from inherent moral fiber. Tebow is is the type of champion who in everything or or who is who is everything 
Kassaris types like Obama are not and, and can and will never be. Unlike Barack, Tim has claimed to be neither mythological nor legendary. And yet, without false promotion, has proven to be a man endowed with great strength and ability, none of which he takes credit for. Instead, rather meekly giving glory to the one he views as greater than himself. Can we say that for Barack Hussein Obama? Unlike Barack Obama, Tim Tebow has achieved great things. For starters, his first stunning achievement was proving anti-life progressives wrong. Thanks to a loving mother. And against the odds, Tim managed to make out make it out of the womb alive after abortion-minded doctors dismissed his chances. Tim Tebow's life is a living, breathing testimony for a world steeped in selfishness, darkness, a darkness that pro-abortion leftists like Barack Obama condone. Remember, if one of his daughters makes a mistake, he doesn't want them to be punished with a baby. Those were his exact words. Punished with a baby. We all, a lot of us, wonder or wish that maybe Barack Obama's mama had felt that way. Some of us do, anyway. But back to Tim Tebow. Through hard work, conviction, and dedication, Heisman winner Tim Tebow actually won an award he earned, as opposed to Obama receiving and accepting a Nobel Peace Prize that both he and the rest of the world knew full well he did nothing to earn. Quite different from pseudo-hero Barack Obama, Tim Tebow takes pride in personal responsibility and has yet to blame anyone for his failures, on or off the gridiron. Rather than make excuses for inadequacies and laziness, Tebow motivates and inspires others to look for the best within themselves and identifies their God-given gifts. Barack Obama talks the liberal talk about bettering the lives of the poor children or of poor children, but then transfers the monetary burden of caring the caring for the underprivileged in, on the backs of taxpayers and makes it a governmental bureaucratic endeavor. For years, Tebow has made it a mission to go to Uncle Dick's home, an orphanage in the Philippine Islands, where he walks the streets ministering, not with empty words, but with life-changing deeds. Upbeat, optimistic, having both physical and spiritual strength, unlike Barack Obama, Tim Tebow tends toward the positive, and thus far appears to be doing a much better job of ensuring his team his team's victory than hero Obama is at ensuring victory for the Democrat Party. Ironically, Denver Bronco number 15, his home is in the same mile-high stadium where Barack Obama positioned betwixt two Greek columns made his celebrated accepted accept, acceptance speech followed by the uh, adulation of the crowd yet the difference between obama and tebow is that rather than wallowing in the misguided abortion of starstruck people or or adulation i'm sorry of starstruck people And avoiding the relationship with God, Tim Tebow displays that of a true hero. Tim Tebow speaks highly of others and humbles himself. He once said, there are several things that keep me grounded and focused. When you can humble yourself to say, I'm no more important than anyone else, I just have a gift. 
that is quite different from Obama, who in his first year in office mentioned himself 1,200 times in 41 speeches. Unlike Obama, who referred to his critics purveyors of vitriol, Tim has yet to retaliate to his critics with harsh words or angry retorts. Thus far, not humbled by shortcomings or failures. And as Obama prepares to inundate the nation with even more overconfident praise directed toward himself, the election season promises to bring personal exhilaration to new heights, which is against everything Ten Tebow stands for. Yet hope springs eternal that America will not be duped a second time. And you know what? We're the type of nation who you can pull one over on us every now and then. But we figure it out in the end. Regardless of the outcome, Tim Tebow could teach Barack Obama a thing or two about how heroes wait patiently for vindication to come based on the merits of their character and performance. That patience may be why, after being told to discontinue writing scripture references on his eye black, God stepped in and guided a dedicated servant's arms to write arm to write John 316 in the wind, an impossible occurrence that reminded a world searching desperately for a hero of the one achievement in all history that really mattered. Hence, even for a season, while Icarus attempts to repair those melted wings, America has turned its eyes from Obama toward a young man who, with renewed strength, soars like an eagle, runs but does not grow weary, walks but does not faint. And those whose hero is not himself, but whose hope rests solely in the Lord. The author of this writing is someone you may have known from a previous blog talk show I did some time back. And I'm going to go ahead and post this in the chat room because Jenny DeAngelis has done it again. She is the author of what I just read here tonight. I would like for you to go and check out her blog and check out this article in The American Thinker. Jenny, I hope that you keep writing this great stuff. I mean, it gives us all pause for thought. Well done. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We'll be right back, and we're going to get into the meat of the topic that we have listed in our chat room. Obama's czars. The red czars. Know your czars. We'll be right back. It's time for another episode of everyone's favorite show, Know Your Zars. Oh, that's right. Don't you just hate selfish people always talking about themselves, blah, 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 ignoring the collective? I sure do. And so does today's czar. He's against re- re- reproductive rights. I mean, not... You know, the abortion kind of reproductive rights. He's totally cool with that. I mean, your right to have kids. He said, quote, individual rights must be balanced against the power of the government to control human reproduction. Sure, sounds obvious to us, but some small-minded people out there have crazy beliefs. <laughs> this czar has pointed out, quote, some people, respected legislators, judges, and lawyers included, have viewed the right to have children as a fundamental and inalienable right. Yet neither the Declaration of Independence nor the Constitution mentions a right to reproduce. <laughs> End quote. So, who's this crazy czar? <laughs> who's the, one, who's the yeah. one that has the president's ear? Is it Leonard Nimoy? No, Dr. Spock? Not, no, it's not Dr. Spock. No? No, it's... Yeah. No, I'll keep going. Quote, 
In the United States, individuals have a constitutional right to privacy, at least to the extent that a woman has a right to choose not to have children. But that right's not unlimited. Where the society has a compelling subordinating interest in regulating population size, the right of the individual may be curtailed, end quote. If it's boring, you know, we'll probably let you have your kid. But compelling? Who needs an abortion? You do. All right. This is our. This uh, is our. Alec Baldwin, he loves kids. No. Okay, last hint. If you still need convincing on the legality of this whole, you can't have any children, our czar has an argument that's impossible to disagree with. Quote, the law regulates other highly personal matters. For example, no one may lawfully have more than one spouse at a time. Why should the law not be able to prevent a person from having more than two children? End quote. Boom! <laughs> there it is. Case Great closed. logic. Yeah, it is. Great logic. Okay, what's your guess? Yeah. Ernest Borgnine. No, he's not no. a czar. I don't oh. think you guys Who's understand. Who's that his... lady? Uh, who, Charo? Is it Charo? Because she lo- they're so good with the kids and yeah, I don't think you guys really understand how The answer is science czar John Holdren. The best friend of yeah, no, he's a good hey. friend of science and worst enemy of the future ratings of Nickelodeon. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Just like everyone who plays this game, you lose. But at least you'll die a little smarter just for listening to No, Your Cars. All right, folks, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. My mama said... You can tell a lot about a person by the company they keep. So how many Marxist, communist, radicals, and tax cheats do you know? How many hang out at your house? How many do you buddy and pal around with? Do you surround yourself with decent people who are, you know, sometimes we we have people who are a little quirky, maybe even a a little, well, crazy. Maybe even just a little offbeat, left of center, or right of center, if you if you if you insist. How many Marxist? How many communist? How many radicals and tax cheats do you know? Do you hang around with criminals? Do you party with, you know, just plain old no good people? President Obama knows a whole bunch of these folks. President Obama has past and current associations with many extreme radicals, Marxist and communist. The administration employs tax cheats, and many of his nominees had to resign or decline nomination because of their transgressions. Say one thing, do something else. So during his campaign, President Obama talked about hope and change and transparency and a whole bunch of other crap. Transparency and the rule of law will be the touchstone of his presidency, Obama said on his first full day in office, January 21st, 2009. Just two days after instituting his new ethics rules, he nominated a former lobbyist for Deputy Secretary of Defense. The truth is in the cards. It's time for real transparency, and you're going to get a little of it here tonight. Because we're going to talk about Obama's czars. It's been quite some time since we've had the czar discussion. I know Tesla has gone into it. I know maybe even 2020 has talked about it. G-Ski. And David Graham, certainly. But it's been a while, hasn't it? So let's start with my favorite lunatic czar, Mr. Holdren. Who believes in sterilizing human beings? 
male and female, so that the planet can heal and be saved. Who believes that in order to save the planet, we shouldn't have more than one child or two at the very most. And if you're pregnant with a third, then that child should be aborted. Imagine that. Would you even have this clown as a friend in your house? Least of all, the President of the United States nominating him to a pseudo-cabinet position? Now, the this administration frowns on the use of the word czars, I wonder why, and prefers special advisor to the president. Imagine a man who is a special advisor to the president who believes that Americans should be sterilized in order to save the planet. And if you and I do not agree to voluntary sterilization, that it should be enforced or forced on us through putting some sort of concoction in the drinking water so that when we drink water, we're sterilized without our knowledge. This is what our science czar believes should happen to us. And yet, he has the ear of the President of the United States of America. Know your czars. Richard Holbrook, Afghanistan czar. And damn, a damn Afghanistan czar. Can you believe that? So when the president said that he admits to sometimes being a little lazy, could this be why he has so many czars? <laughs> Afghanistan czar? Well, Mr. Holbrook is an ultra-liberal, anti-gun, former governor of New Mexico, pro-abortion and legal drug use. He wants to dissolve the Second Amendment. These are his own words. Everything that I'm telling you here tonight, every word that comes out of my mouth can be thoroughly researched by you on the net. And everything that I say, that I quote, is something that these czars have said themselves. Ed Montgomery, the auto recovery czar. Each of these czars making anywhere from $150,000 to $250,000 a year of our tax money. Black radical, business activist. Affirmative action and job preference for blacks, he says. Mr. Montgomery, our auto recovery czar. University of Maryland Business School Dean teaches U.S. business has caused world poverty. Of course, he was an ACORN board member and a communist. Jeffrey Crowley, our AIDS czar, radical homosexual, a gay rights activist, believes in gay marriage and especially a special status for homosexuals only, including complete free health care for gays. He is our AIDS czar. Alan Bernson, border czar, the former failed superintendent of San Diego, failed. Ultra-liberal, of course, friend of Hillary Clinton, served as border czar under Janet Reno to keep the borders open to illegals without interference from the U.S. We are judged by the friends we keep. Which is why I keep friends like G-Ski, Alexander Solo, Beach Bum, Evil Clown, <laughs> Melinda, <laughs> Tesler, Southern Sense, and a whole host of other really great people. Because the friends I keep, the people I associate with, my, with are direct reflections on me. But my question is this, how is Obama allowed to stay in office as president with all of these horrible, weird, just plain old weird people employed on the public dole? 
those of us who pay taxes are paying these clowns' salary. Let's move on to Carol Browner. Oh, yeah. Energy and Environment Czar. Political radical, former head of the EPA, known as anti-business, known for her anti-business activism. Strong anti-gun ownership. It's amazing to me. Are you kidding me? Dennis Blair, intelligence czar, retired Navy, stopped U.S. guided missile program because it's provocative. Chair of ultra-liberal council on foreign relations, which blames a merchant organization for regional wars. Can you imagine? America having a plethora of tanks is provocative. Or America having a developing a missile system is provocative. America protecting its borders with peace through strength is far too provocative. Cass Sunstein, my favorite, my second favorite czar next to John Holdren. Cass Sunstein is out there, way, way, way out there where the buses don't run. They don't run out there. You've got to take a dirt road to get to where Cass Sunstein is right now because he is out there, way out there where the buses, the cabs don't go. Liberal activist judge. He believes free speech needs to be limited for the common good. Essentially, against the First Amendment. He is against the First Amendment, y'all. Rules against personal freedoms. Many times, likes private gun ownership, or, 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 or he, he ruled against private gun ownership, and he ruled against the right to free speech. He is our regulatory czar. Let's listen to my main man, Glenn Beck, talk about our regulatory czar. It's time for another episode of everyone's favorite show, Tell Your As I told you yesterday, the White House is very upset with me and the information that I've been giving out all week on the czars. They're not... Denying things like, you know, Van Jones' history as an admitted radical communist and the fact that he's never disavowed that, they're upset that we're calling him a czar. That's their complaint. I've shown the history of a guy who was literally founding revolutionary communist organizations around America, and they don't like what, uh, what I've been putting on his virtual business card. He's not a czar. He's a special advisor. Yesterday, the liberal blogs became very upset with this Little old radio segment on the radio. Why? Shocking surprise. They had the exact same complaint as the White House. Yesterday, in this segment, I called Peter Orzag the uh, budget czar. The budget czar. Weird how the White House and liberal blogs are worried about the same thing at exactly the same time. But at least they're consistent. Because I'm... I'm sure you can remember the outrage on the left when the Christian Science Monitor was calling him the budget czar. Or when CNN was calling him the budget czar. Or all of that incredible outrage from the left when Rachel Maddow called him the budget czar during an interview with the budget czar. Oh, and do you remember the picket lines on the left when Business Week was using the term budget czar under the Bush administration? Or the left just hated it when Bush was treated unfairly? I think I've hit a new uh, high point here. I can get attacked from the left even when I'm quoting Rachel Maddow. That is impressive. Anyway, let's get to today's czar. He's the sort of guy who understands a really good meal, although, you know, he can be a bit of a downer at a dinner party. You know, when you grill up a nice steak on the grill, when it's seasoned and sizzling just in that perfect way, and when you slowly place those grilled onions right on top... Yes, yes, I have a guess. Uh, yes. Is it, uh, is it uh, Bobby Flay? Uh, no, it's no, it's no. I'm sorry. I don't think you guys understand what a czar is. 
Is it? Uh, no, even Rachel Maddow understands that. Anyway, um, you have this this pile of perfectly sizzling steaks smothered with grilled onions. You walk over the table and set them down right there on the. Wait, is it is it Emerald Lagasse? Okay, it's not time to Emerald. It's not. I'm gonna, no, it's bam. So you have the steak, you bring it to the table, and uh, this is where that czar is sitting during the dinner party. And he's likely to say something like this. With the previous speakers, I believe that human interests certainly count in the overall balance. But most of the time, the problem is animal interests are not counted at all. They have zero weight. In the long run, if this is correct, our willingness to subject animals to unjustified suffering will be seen as Bentham and Milfod as a form of unconscionable barbarity, not the same as, but in many ways morally akin to, slavery and mass extermination of human beings. Okay. In case you missed what he was saying there and applauded for, was quoting, our willingness to subject animals to unjustified suffering will be seen as a form of unconscionable barbarity, morally akin to slavery, and the mass extermination of human beings. Can anybody pass the A1? All right, all right, all right. Did you just hear that? Did you hear that? Dude said that... Well, let's listen to it just one more time. It's outrageous. ...morally akin to slavery and the mass extermination of human beings. Can anybody pass the A1? Okay, do you know the name of the czar? Yes. Uh, is it uh, Paula Dean? Uh, no, sorry, sorry. Know the name of the czar? Yes. Uh, Chef Boyardee. <laughs> okay, no, it's not. All right, today's czar is Cass Sustine. Our fabulous regulatories are surely his comparison between your stake and the Holocaust couldn't possibly leak into his job writing just about every regulatory control we have on pretty much everything. But at least you'll know what's coming when you know your czar. I'm sorry, sorry. When you when you know your special special. I got it. I got it. When you know your special advisor. All right, Harry, we're back with the C. Robert Jones uh, situation report. I've got some cows, and I've got a little bit of a dilemma, and I'm sure that Cass Sunstein would not appreciate what's going to go down with two of my bulls. I've now got four bulls. I have only one, two choices here. Either I turn a couple of those bulls into steaks, or I sell them to somebody else who will either put them out into the pasture and let them replenish their herds, or they'll turn them into steaks. Either way, under Cass Sunstein's uh, edicts, I will go to jail for a very long time because I have committed my bulls and my cows to slavery. And by sending them off to slaughter, I have now committed a holocaust transgression oh and the fact that I was riding a horse just a few days ago probably I was doing so against the horse's will and I can also be thrown in jail for well enslaving that horse and forcing myself onto his back and riding him up into the woods of of, of Northern Virginia. I am a criminal, y'all. I should be thrown in jail because I have an, an enslaved horses and I have committed atrocities against cows. I am a criminal. Mr. Sunstein, my hands are out. Put the bracelets on me and take me away. All right, we have a call on the line, 770-807-02. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got carried away. Call oh, that's okay, man. I don't blame you a bit, man, because I'm getting carried away listening to you. You know, most nights I'm listening to you. I don't need to call in, Santa, because you say everything that needs to be said. But you did ask a question I feel compelled to answer. And it was something along the lines of, 
how did an administration get so many bizarro, bizarro, lunatic fringe elements at high appointed positions in this administration? It's really simple. It shows you the depth to which cultural Marxists have infiltrated the culture. And this president, or alleged president, feels no compunction about putting them in such positions. He realizes that cultural Marxists have made such a thing possible. It is palatable to consider such lunatics for these sort of positions. He has, for his safe schools are, an, an, an avowed homosexual activist mm-hmm. who thinks that uh, he wrote a, a forward to a book entitled Queering Public Education, which posits, uh, and, and it's very forward, not only in the book, but in the forward to the book, that teachers should teach about homosexuality in positive, glowing terms as early as they can get away with it. He is a man who has links and has encouraged research into and associations with the North American Man-Boy Love Association. He is a man... <laughs> Who had a fiduciary, or well, yeah, an obligation to report an illicit, illegal sexual relationship between a minor child uh, uh, going to the school at which he was the principal? He had a, duty, a legal duty to report this sexual relationship between a, a, a man, a man in his 40s, I believe, and yeah. a 15-year-old boy in the school, and didn't do so. Just counsel the boy to have safe sex. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this Beck- man he appointed to his administration has a safe school czar for God's office <laughs> predated his appointment to the job. And you see, this is only possible. This would only, Think of this 30, 40 years ago, being introduced yeah. into, in, into this culture on in, any president. Even Bill Clinton trying to do this would yeah. have been unthinkable. But now the Marxists have so thoroughly insinuated their way into our culture. This is palatable. This is at least something we can debate about, not something we just forthrightly, completely, and on his face reject. It's something to have a discussion about. Now, is he still doing that job, or has uh, has no, he been run anymore. out of town? Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah. he, he, he's working. Oh, what is he working at now? Let me. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's. He's uh he's working in some kind of non-profit organization yeah. in Boston, uh, Be the Change, because uh, he resigned <laughs> his position with the Obama administration, and, and, and in the summertime sometime last year, he became president and chief executive of the organization. But believe me, Obama did not fire him. No, of course not. At least not technically. He did was allowed a letter of resignation. Now, and now, now, now some of the Republicans with a modicum of courage and uh you know and and testosterone worth saying that he had to go yeah and they were clamoring for him going i mean nobody's willing to do anything uh you know really serious about it, like threatening to cut off funding but you know mm-hmm. okay. yeah of course. but no but but you know but but i guess he finally did respond probably put press look you know i you know i'd love you to have you stay here kevin but you know all these all these paleo conservatives and these retrograde reactionaries just want you out. They're not with the program. They don't know how foresighted and farsighted they should be by accepting, embracing, and loving homosexuality in all of its guises, permutations, and iterations. So until we get people that are just a little bit more enlightened, you got to go. I think oh, that's what the conversation oh, oh, was. Anyway. Hold on, Sarge. Did you, did you use a couple of three-syllable words? Uh, and I believe that if Obama's saying these things, he's probably got a teleprompter somewhere behind <laughs> the uh, behind the curtain while he's talking. About that, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Go on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. He probably did it when he said that to Kevin. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. of course, you know, we're making up our own fictional conversation. But I, but it's, it's, as they say, uh, as they say in the Dan Rather School of Journalism, it's fake but accurate. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, like, like, look, we we have got a real fight here, folks. I mean, these cultural Marxists are everywhere. They are attempting to deconstruct our country, all its major institutions. The Institute for Social Research has been remarkably successful in what they set out to do when they essentially said we're going to translate economic Marxism into cultural terms. Uh, Antonio Gramsci, uh, Horkheimer, Adorno, Marcuse, and all the others, they've done a pretty good job. They really have. And a lot of us just aren't noticing. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think though, that Americans are kind of waking up 
and and it's and it's happening kind of it's happening at the last minute you know you know uh, where uh, they're beginning to understand that uh, uh we were sold a bill of goods by uh, all this hope and change talk and after 8 years of George Bush um you know Americans felt that they needed some sort of a change and why not give the novice a try you know see what he can do it's time to put you know a black man in office let's see if maybe he can do something that uh you know that other presidents haven't been able to do and bring us all together and we'll all sing kumbaya and it'll all be good and uh yeah no yeah which was the ultimate expression of racism they literally voted for a race yeah literally they voted for a race they didn't vote for an individual human being with individual merits and demerits, and you're supposed to assess the individual human being on that basis. No, they voted for a race and an idea. Yep. Uh, an idea based upon the idea. Somehow, uh, uh, you know, someone uh, of the black race is the, no, is the noble by the suffering, which may or may not be true. You know, unless you know the human being, how can you know? Unless you take into, unless you assess the individual human being, how can you know? And in this case, that was a total fabrication. This guy wasn't ennobled by anything other than corrupt, Marxist, proto-fascist, crony capitalist principles. Nothing else animates this guy. Could, they, well, they could have come and asked me. I know about him since 1994. Could have told you that. Anybody been half paying attention could have told them that. Yeah, so like you're I said, exactly this kind right. of country we're in nowadays. We're in a country of groups. These cultural Marxists have identified us and split us apart by groups, and a lot of Americans are thinking with groupthink. You'd better get out of it, folks. Individuals run the country. Individuals go to government. This individual's in government. He's utterly corrupt and utterly unfit and utterly unsuited. Well, and the sooner we get rid of him, the better. You're exactly right, but... You know, he still is enjoying, uh, you know, relatively good poll numbers, and the field of uh, Republicans seem to be rather weak now, and Republicans uh, who are voting seem to be in a quandary as to who to vote for. Uh, 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 One candidate's up one week, down the next. Another one's up one week, down the next. Yeah. it, it, I'm not sure it's looking as good as uh, a lot of uh, Republicans would like to believe. Now, what's not looking good, as far as I'm concerned, is what be the course of the country after this fool is put out of office. He's going. Look, Doc, trust me, mm-hmm. he's out in a conventional two-party race. This guy is doomed. And well, everyone's decided. Even Harry Belafonte didn't say he didn't deserve a second term. Harry well, Belafonte. Well, Harry Belafonte I mean, is, is as communist socialist as they come. Right. He's but, a dunce, too. But yeah, I'm just well, saying, think if, if somebody like him has given up on Hussein, what hope has he got? He's done. The only question is, can somebody like Romney reverse the course upon with the disastrous course upon what this country is rapidly accelerating? I don't know. That's really the question, not whether he gets he's going to go. He's done. They're whistling past the graveyard. And well, they know I, it. I, I certainly hope that you're right. Uh, and... Wow, I wish that you'd come on earlier because uh, we could have talked about this for at least another 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Oh, man, but you we've got saying 90... everything needs to be said. You didn't need me. I'm telling you, you were really going to go. But you asked that question. I just felt I had to answer it. Well, I appreciate it once again, you calling in, Sarge. Uh, we are just about out of time. We have one minute and 16 seconds left. we got to cut out. God bless you all. God bless America. God bless you, Sarge. Thanks for calling in. Sarge. And it has a show called uh, Rapid Fire on at 4. Check it out. When you walk through the garden. 2020 Radio coming up next. You got it. Love it. We're out. God bless you. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's going to save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have to worry if you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan. 
Keep the devil 